I give myself kudos back then because that was bold. I probably wouldn't do that again. I'm not a designer. How can I design well? It makes me emotional even thinking about it. And shit, bro. Footprints, man. And we've been planning this. Hi, I'm Steve Duke, and this is the Two Roads Podcast. Today on the show, I have Serafima Sergeva. So, who is Serafima? Well, she's a product designer at the tech company Intercom, and she lives in Dublin now. But she originally grew up in Russia, and she's had a super interesting life. She's worked as a barista, an air hostess, a QA engineer, before finding her home as a designer. And she's also lived in many countries across the world. She's moved to the US from Russia when she was only 18. And she spent time traveling around Asia and Europe, working remotely in her 20s, and has had a ton of experiences from all of that time traveling and living in different places around the world. On this episode, you'll hear about why she feels that she has found belonging, working as a designer, and what she really enjoys about her job how to break into design and get your first job as a junior designer, which I know is a really challenging thing to do. And the tips that she has are actually very applicable to any new industry that you're trying to break into. Her top tips for learning anything new from scratch. We also talk about her struggles after being laid off and the very practical steps that she took to turn, really turn her life around in only like five or six months. And finally, we talk about the one question that Serafima asks her friends in order to come up with a great weekend plan. I love this one, and I'm actually starting to use this question myself in my own life. Serafima is extremely open about the highs and lows of her career. When we see somebody in our dream job, it's very easy for us to think that it was all smooth sailing for them. We look at their LinkedIn, we see that they go from one job to the next job to the next job, and they all look like dream paths, dream moves. And we think that they're somehow very different to us, but that's rarely the case. No one's LinkedIn profile is going to show all the jobs they applied for and never got, all the cold emails that they sent and never heard back from. And Serafima talks really candidly about all the failures and misstarts that she has had in her life and the lessons that she learned from each one of those. And I think this can be super encouraging to hear for anybody looking to make a change in their own lives or get into that new role. If you want more help building a life you love, finding a job that you get meaning and purpose from, finding work that you genuinely enjoy, then go follow me on socials. On LinkedIn, you can just get my personal account. It's Steve Duke. On Instagram, it's at two roads pod. But for now, I hope you enjoy my chat with Serafima Sergeva. Let's get into it. Serafima, thanks for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me, Steve. Did you grow up in Russia as a kid? Yes, yes. I was born and grew up there, yeah. <laughs> so when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? This question was never really asked of me, uh, interestingly. So the only question that I got asked, who do you think you get to be when you grow up? Um, meaning that um, all of my parents, all the adults in the room, we're undergoing through this kind of USSR <laughs> times collapsing and they had to find jobs that did not intentionally was something that they wanted to do. Um, so yeah, it was the question of like, what skills do you have? Do you think that will lead you to a certain path? Um, that's, that's kind of how I picked up on it. I never really thought of like, Oh, if I want to be this person, I will get to be this person. So it's not as straightforward um, for me at least. It wasn't like that. Um, so 
so yeah, I grew up in Russia um, in a family of professional and semi-professional athletes who then turned small business owners, uh, not by choice. Uh, so there were no jobs and they had to find something to do. Uh, and, and that's kind of the whole kind of story of a lot of families in Russia uh, you would find. And um, so my mom was a hairdresser and then she later um, founded her own hair salon. My dad was... Uh, uh, he was um, suing pretty well, and he, you know, did that for a little while. Then he uh, founded his own like little grocery store. Um, so yeah, it's it's a story of kind of make your own path um, for my parents that I think I've adopted <laughs> later on. I feel like we should get your parents on the show as a guest, maybe something. Hundred <laughs> percent. You, you know this, you know, I uh, when we um, saw each other last, I, I told you about my mom a little bit and how she ended up uh, in a whole different country altogether doing something entirely different. So, yeah, there's a definitely inspirational story of how you can turn your life around uh, when you're in your uh, 50s. So 100% um, an inspiration. So that people are aware, like, what is it that you do now? Like, where do you live? Can you kind of fill people in on kind of what your current situation is? Uh, sure. So I'm a digital product designer. I live and work in Dublin, Ireland, um, but I didn't end up here by chance. It was a very long <laughs> journey full of trial and error. Um, and I, I'd love to get you there because I, I think there's, it's an important step in everyone's life to kind of figure it out, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, you know, what the world needs and so on. So that so that you land in that place and and find yourself belonging um, as opposed to always searching for answers and that perpetual cycle isn't really good um, for long term. Um, so, yeah, I was I always wanted to try different things. So I, growing up, I've tried a bunch of different sports, a bunch of different learning, trying different languages, um, then kind of finding myself graduating high school and not knowing what I wanted to do. And I remember sitting with my friend, we were watching YouTube videos, and there was some guy who made a move from Russia or from Kazakhstan or somewhere to the States, Los Angeles, California. And we were like, isn't that cool? Should we do that? Um, so yeah, and I remember being um, <laughs> young. <laughs> I was like, we, sh- we should totally do this. <laughs> so what, what age were you? I was, I was 17, 18. And just keep that in mind, like, I didn't speak English very well. So I was learning French. Uh, so the path was like, okay, I need to quickly learn English. I need to apply to school in the United States. I need to get there and stay there and, you know, have a have a good time. <laughs> so surprisingly, like, I was able to do this because that initial spark of interest prompted an action uh, of me, like, okay, what is the second best thing I can do right now? What is the smallest thing I can do right now? So I was like, I enrolled into English language school. I just immersed myself into English and basically leveling up immensely within a span of like six months uh, to a year. So uh, yeah, that was basically turning my life around in in a year. People were really surprised uh, that I did not choose like a a path that was, you know, many of my... um, classmates chose which like go to a French university like going to you know university learning French teaching French then at the same school uh 
I was like, no, let's do something different. <laughs> so I give myself kudos back then because that was bold. Uh, I probably wouldn't do that again, but it was it was definitely something. And um, it was great at the time. I was in the States. Um, but what what happened in a couple of year, years later uh, is Russia invaded Ukraine, 2014, Crimea. I could not stay in the States much longer. And I had to return back to Russia. Like legally, you couldn't? Okay, hold up one second. I'm sorry to have to interrupt this episode, but I do want to remind you that if you want more content on how to find a job and a life that you love, you can find it on our socials. So on Instagram, go to Two Roads Pod, and on LinkedIn, just find my personal account called Steve Duke. And of course, these podcasts are released weekly where I interview people and that's extremely helpful for people to get inspiration and hear other people's stories and what how they did it and what they're going through. But I also release a ton of other content as well to help you both figure out what it is that you want to do and also how to then make that actually happen. So LinkedIn and Instagram and LinkedIn, Steve Duke, just my name. And then on Instagram, you can find us at Two Roads pod legally i could uh it was a matter of like financial situation as well because it became all of a sudden very very expensive to pay for school in in us with like russian rubles uh they became cheap um and i couldn't legally work in the states um to support myself um so i was like okay i can stay in illegally here (laughs) that's an option but what else can i do what do i know um, those were the questions in my head. And I sort of sat down and wrote a list of all the things that I know to that point. I was nineteen twenty, <laughs> something like that. So it was, um, I didn't know much to be there. Uh, I only knew languages. Um, and I was eager to travel. Uh, and the logical thing was like, okay, I should be a flight attendant then. Because honestly, that was the only job that I could get, perhaps at that time, uh, enrolling into aviation school in in Russia, working as a flight attendant in Aeroflot, um, working uh, at Zara alongside it because I could not support myself otherwise. Um, and I thought, yeah, that that's it. Like I, I got it. That this is it. I'm going to be flight attendant. It was going to be cool. I'm going to be traveling around the world, um, but. But it did not work out. Uh, I I got stuck flying around Russia uh, within Russian borders uh, only. I was paid minimal wage. I think it was if I were to just <laughs> convert the currency, like something like four hundred dollars a month, which is insane amount if you live in Moscow. It's just not bearable. Um, and and thinking to myself, okay, this isn't what I signed up for. I could stick with it for another couple of years and maybe I could get promoted or I could get to travel, you know, across the world because um, you have to fight for that chance too. Um, and it's a very like competing market. <laughs> um, or I could, I could try something else. Um, and I remember myself distinctly, like not being really much in love with this guy as other people were in my group. Uh, they would get butterflies. They would be so happy just being up there. And I wasn't. Like, to me, it was like taking a bus. 
<laughs> so it was very, um, yeah. So I remember that you have to have something other than your will to do it, <laughs> to keep you going. There has to be some purpose, some passion, something there. And, and, it, and I didn't have it. Um, so I, I had to give it up basically um, and try something else. I enrolled back in school, uh, moved to a different city uh, in St. Petersburg, going from Moscow to St. Petersburg and starting from scratch again. Um, none, of, none of the courses that I had were transferable. Uh, none of the things that I knew were applicable. <laughs> to uh to new cities so it was like okay how can i reframe this into a blank slate as opposed to starting from scratch right like it's it's and then i realized now retrospectively that it wasn't a blank slate either it's kind of like a spiral you're you think you're going in the same motions but in fairness you're going up the level up the level again uh you're keeping that knowledge it's there it's in your bank of knowledge and experience. Um, it's never wasted. But back then I thought, oh my God, I'm such a failure. People are now graduating university. They're getting good jobs. Um, I'm here with no degree, no job, um, no partner. Um, and there's also this kind of saying, if you, if you return back to your home country, you're kind of like a bit of a failure after trying you know, out different paths abroad. So I felt like a, like at the bottom of the bottom, basically. Really? You felt that? Yeah, I felt that. I felt like, well, <laughs> what can I do? What do I get to do? So I became a waitress um, at a little coffee shop in St. Petersburg because I thought to myself, hey, um, what are the simple pleasures that will keep me going? Like, what are the routines that I can build up from scratch? What are the things that bring me joy? And I found um, third wave coffee, uh, you know, which is specialty coffee. Um, to me, that was like, that, that's great. I'm going to immerse myself. I'm going to become a barista, you know, that kind of stuff, which is, which is good. Which is, you always, I always now think that if something doesn't work out, I can do it. Like, I can be a barista. I can be a waitress. And it's not a big deal. It's not a complete failure. Um, it will get me through times. And it's, it's good. Like, <laughs> so um, I was working in this nice coffee shop and I remember people coming in um, with their laptops in the middle of the day, getting expensive coffees and just sitting there, um, chilling, you know, looking out the window and being like, yeah, life is great. <laughs> and I remember being super stressed out about rent and, you know, payments and so on. And I look at them and there's this one guy and he's like super chilled and happy. And I'm like, some, like something's up with him. He knows something I don't. <laughs> so I come up to him and say, hey, um, I see you come here often. So I'm just curious, what do you do? Um, and he's like, I'm a software developer. I work remotely. Um, I have a few clients. So I'm kind of a digital nomad. I don't stay in one place for long. I travel. And I was like, what the hell is digital nomad back then? It's like, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't that big at a time. It wasn't, it was pre-pandemic, you know, all that. Mm, before it was cool. Before it was cool, kind of, yeah. So, um, and I was like, okay, I like that kind of energy. I was, I remember distinctly, I was like, we should talk more. <laughs> Let me. What was it that you liked about it? I, 
do you know what? I really like the lifestyle, the the fact that you're not tied to one place. You seem very happy as well, which is very big indicator. In many professions, you see people that are not really satisfied. They're not happy. They're not smiling. They're not taking you know life to its fullest. And here's this guy, like, no matter what he does, like, I'm just curious what he does so that he's so happy sitting there. <laughs> um, so it's it definitely the energy is contagious. So I um, later we became boyfriend, boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, no way. That's a nice story. <laughs> yes, I basically initiated. Yes. And um, and I said, okay, like, what, what, so what is it that you do exactly? Like, tell me just what, what does the space look like? Are there any jobs? Is someone hiring? <laughs> I remember uh, being like absolutely shameless at that stage because what, 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 what else can you lose? I was already at the rock bottom in my head. <laughs> so, and he introduced me to the world of tech, um, which is a big word at a time. Nobody like Nobody in my group of you know people that I spoke to in my community um, had this line of work, um, and I remember trying out being a QA tester first. So uh, a QA tester, for those of you who don't know, it's a quality assurance. It's a person who um, is testing the software, is testing the apps, um, clicking a bunch of different things, and seeing if it performs the way it should. Uh, it, it looked like a like a simple enough entry level job that I could get into, but I realized that my, my strengths and my skill sets were not really aligned, um, to that. Um, if you want to progress in that role, if you want to, you know, get into this a bit more, you have to have a, a technical mindset. You have to have a very like notorious, you know, detail oriented structure <laughs> to, to solving problems. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not really that type of person. So I know, I knew that I, I'm not that type of person, right? Like I had kind of this this is no go for me. <laughs> At that time, I had a re- big pile of no go <laughs> and a very small pile of things that I actually liked. And design was one of them, but it was a very broad design term. What did that mean for you at that point? Do you know when you come into, let's say, a coffee shop, right, or somewhere, you're like, oh, this space looks very interesting, very welcoming. And then you start to kind of analyze this, like, oh, what makes it interesting? Or you, you see a flyer. And you ask yourself, ooh, like, this is a very interesting flyer. How, like, what makes it so great? Um, and I remember, like, picking myself with, with these kind of types of things. And there's interior design, right? There's, like, landscape design. And I always loved it. And I could not understand that it's it's all connected <laughs> together. It felt like a bunch of different fields that have nothing in common. And then later I found out, but just broadly design is, is solving problems in, in a visual way and communicating patterns. And it's, it's all connected. It is um, all about the same skills, but just a, applied in a different direction. Um, so, yeah, I've tried being a QA tester and then I learned a little bit of front end trying to see if I could be a developer, just like my boyfriend at a time. <laughs> and I, it did not work out then. Um, I think it would have worked out now, uh, knowing what I know. But again, <laughs> but what, why do you say that? I think it's just there is this imposter syndrome that exists when you're trying to break into something very difficult, something you've never tried before, um, and and people weren't like really helpful at the time. Internet wasn't so big on 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 you know giving you the the pathways to do something. I was kind of 
you know, trying a few different things, it wouldn't work and I would abandon it. Um, we, we, I think now it's kind of like, you can do it. Like with enough dedication, you can just, <laughs> you, you will smash it. Yeah, there's no excuses really. No excuses, yeah. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm this designer person. Maybe I'm like this artist. Maybe I'm artistic. I I like languages. So who am I to go into front end, you know, or into coding space? Which I think definitely held me back. Um, I wouldn't hold myself back now, uh, and I actually don't. So that's good. <laughs> um, and I do say it now to people if they think that coding is too difficult or design is too artistic. Like those are limiting beliefs that are holding you back. Uh, you should try it. You should follow the curiosity more than your beliefs that have no um, base, no, no founding base, right? There's nothing behind these statements. How do you know it's true? I think it's a really good point because also anything that you pick up for the first time, is probably going to feel a bit difficult. And if you're just going to like give it up the second that you feel like annoyed with it, then you're never really going to get very far. Like you can look at the best programmer, like the best designer, you know, they didn't open up their laptop on day one and know how to do everything. And everything was just a breeze and super easy for them. Like they struggled just as much as like you might when you pick up something for the first time. Um, but you just got to push through. But but you're right. Like if you have this belief that like oh no, like I can't do it, or this this feels hard, therefore I'm terrible at it. Um, then it's going to hold you back from ever pushing through to the point where you can actually start to get good at it. Because I think with with most skills, it's like you just need to break over that hump where you start to improve at a rate that it also becomes enjoyable. Because it can be with anything, like learning an instrument, learning a language, learning design, whatever else it is. It's like, it's always really tough at the start. But if you can just get to that point where you learn a little bit and then you get that like moment where you're like, oh, that's awesome. Like I made it or I played the tune or I did the thing. And then you get that reward. Then you kind of get this like um, reinforcing loop going. And once you're there, you're great. But I think a lot of people, and I, I'm, I've done it like, dozens of times have like given up before you reach that like hump. hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I think there's also a sense of um, like perfectionism. Like you see something that was done by a person who's dedicated years to it. And you kind of expect as a newbie to kind of get it, get it done in a two day period. Like <laughs> that's just not realistic. And you have to understand that I had to understand that back then that I, I'm, you know, for, for what I know where I'm at, I'm doing great. Like what, what tactics are there to help people get over that hump? Right. Like other than just knowing and recognizing that, you know, you're not going to be amazing from day one. Do you think there's anything else people can do so that they don't get like discouraged early on in like picking up like a new skill or a new, a new capability? This is a very good question. I remember my, my parents and my grandma would, would say the rule of three, three rule of thirds. Um, but it was about, you know, one day it feels great. Second day it feels meh. Not like not bad, not good. And the third day, it really sucks. As long as 
you have these three days and they're kind of in the loop. It's not always sucking and it's not always great. You know, th there's a healthy mix of you enjoying it, of you persevering it in, in, the, in the slump. <laughs> and when it gets hard, you know that there is another day coming that it's going to be good again. So that was the loop from sport that I think was interesting in terms of it does take grit, right? It, does, it also takes passion. So <laughs> they have to coexist. Um, otherwise, it's not sustainable in the long run. Mm, I think it's a good point. I'm also trying to think of like answers to that question that I asked you for myself. And one that I may be thinking of is to like, focus on process goals instead of like outcome goals so like that's something that i've been trying a lot this year so it's like you know one big focus for me has been to um improve my writing right so if my goal is like okay this you know week i'm going to write an incredible essay and then i get to you know thursday or friday and i i haven't cracked it yet and i think the essay is like not that good i'm going to feel really really discouraged about that um, because that's like an outcome goal and like I can't control whether the essay is incredible or not. Like that's not within my control, but a process goal would be, okay, every day I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write for 30 minutes and that's non-negotiable. That's 100% in my control. I can decide, I can decide that I sit down for 30 minutes and I write. And then at the end of the week, I can say whether I did it or not. And then the outcome is actually less important. And if you do that, like if you have that process goal and you do that for a week and you do that for two weeks, three weeks, and you build up, like eventually you're going to become a better writer and you're going to write nice essays. Um, but it takes away that pressure of like having to produce the outcome, which I think is especially important, like, you know, early days and picking up a new skill, especially when it doesn't matter, right? Like, it's not like I'm writing for work, right? So it doesn't matter whether I write a great essay or a crap essay. What matters is whether I actually do the thing that's going to make me better over the long term. Yeah, I think maybe there's also another one, which is like a personality based one. You know, when you're kind of like, well, I'm not a writer. How can I, you know, write well? I'm not a designer. How can I design well? So what if you adopt this personality? What if you are a writer? What does writer do? Right. They sit down and, and dedicate the 30 minutes to write every day. Uh, Right. If, if I'm a designer, what do designers do? Where, where do they hang out? What do they listen to? I love this. And I think that was very major for me in terms of doing other things, too. So I, I'm not a runner, for example. But I was like, OK, if I were a runner, what would I do? <laughs> this is how I ended up in the running path as well. But there's definitely something to this personality based one, you know, kind of approach that I think sticks with you in the long term and allows you to change your perception of, of how things should be i agree have you read the book um atomic habits yes yes great book yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so i think that's one of the big one of the big things in that is like to assume assume the personality of like the habits that you want to adopt because exactly as you say if i say i could say oh i want to eat really really well and work out every day okay great like that's very ambitious um one of the best ways to get there is if i say well I'm an athlete. I assume that personality as an athlete. And then if you get put like a big slice of chocolate cake in front of your face, you're not saying, oh, do I want the chocolate cake? Should I eat it? Should I not? You're saying, well, would an athlete do this? Probably not. And I'm an athlete. So I guess I can't eat the cake, you know? And it, cause it, it just takes this decision-making out of it. 
um, which is actually like super powerful. Okay, but let's go back to your story. So you're kind of at the point where you've learned about this new world of tech, essentially. You've tried your hand at QA. You've now navigated yourself into the world of design, which you think you might be interested in. What's like what's kind of the the practical step that you took? Did you go and enroll in a design course? Did you teach yourself? Like what practically did you do to start off your journey in design? So I, I'm a notorious Googler. So I, I would Google everything, uh, just trying to find many different success stories and case studies of how people ended up where they are. Uh, that just kept me kind of inspired uh, alongside of enrolling into a bunch of different free courses that were out there. And I think it was overwhelming as well because there were too many. Like intro to UX, intro to web, intro to this. And like, I remember like, I don't have enough hours in a day to <laughs> to go through all of them. How do I pick and choose? And And I remember just trying to find people in the industry and trying to speak to them directly, uh, which was definitely helpful. So I'm a huge person for like cold emailing, just asking people like, oh, do you know somebody who's in design? Do you know somebody who's in digital design? Do you know somebody in digital design who works for X company? Or, you know, like trying to narrow down your search into something very specific and tangible um, that also inspires you. So it's like, it's a bit of a stretch goal, like maybe in a couple of years, but, but have your mind there, right? It's, it's, it has to be inspiring. It has to be a bit further out. So I found a, a person who was um, traveling, working remotely, which was a goal for me at the time. And he was a, a digital designer, digital product designer. Um, he was doing it for five years, give it or take. Um, I reached out to him and said, hey, I want to do what you do. Um, so what, what skills do you think I need to learn? Because I have a list here. Do you think it's applicable? Um, I have a list of books here. Do you think they're applicable? <laughs> and I remember him saying like, actually, no, none of these are applicable. And I was like, whoa, okay, okay, that's that's good. That's good. Tell me more. So, And I spoke to a bunch of other people too. And what I ended up doing is there's this, it used to be a great challenge in the Dribbble community, people who know, know <laughs> is to have a daily UI challenge. You just have to have UIs that you produce, you know, design and produce daily and publish it online. Um, and I just enrolled myself into that challenge. Um, I remember reading a bunch of books about design, trying to understand the concepts that were people referencing online. And then I just decided to anchor myself to types of companies that I would want to work for that have great design. Um, so they usually will tell you all about their work <laughs> because they're trying to hire as well. And then, and that was great. I, I was, I was anchoring myself towards Yandex, which is the biggest kind of like Google of, of Russia um, format. I was like, okay, these guys seem to know what they're doing. Let me see what, what, how do they do it? Who are the people who work there? Um, so yeah. And uh, at the time my boyfriend said, Hey, do you want to travel and do design alongside it? I said, yeah, sure, but I have to make money somehow. <laughs> um, and what I ended up doing is learning website builder tools uh, like Squarespace. You know, there's equivalents of them. There are a bunch of them. Um, and just designed a bunch of different pages for people for a very, very small amount of money um, so that I could just afford 
the baseline traveling, like the, the cheapest travel that you can <laughs> possibly have. So, and we were traveling for for a while uh, across Southeast Asia. I was producing those uh, designs through website builders. I was kind of anchoring myself towards this, you know, design for like a big bigger company or more complex design. Um, talking to people, um, practicing. I remember. I remember interviewing for experience. I remember interviewing for rejection, not experience for rejection, <laughs> so that I could, so I could get feedback. So if you if you if you're you have to be good enough to get into the door, obviously, right? But then almost always junior and designers and intern designers would have a, a design task that they have to do, um, and if they do them well uh, or okay-ish but not so good that they get hired they would get feedback so I would find those companies that would I would obviously was looking for a job <laughs> but I knew that I would probably wouldn't get one until later um, so I would get feedback yeah I did get feedback uh, through I think I've done I don't know if I could tell you like 20 to 30 different design tasks which which would take a day or two um, so that I could get feedback on them um, and it's a lot of time investment, and I understand that. Um, but I think, I think, early in your career, you're learning. You're, you should be optimizing for learning, not earning. So, and I was okay with that. Uh, the experience itself was was great. Um, so then there's an interesting twist to my story. Uh, my boyfriend got an offer to a job for a job in in Dublin, Ireland. Um, so he made a move. I stayed in Moscow at the time. It was my first official design job. I was thrilled. Three months later, the company uh, sells the, the tech that they use to a different company. Um, <laughs> they basically lay off all the people um, who are working for, for that product area. And I end up with no job again. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and at that time, I was actually pretty much pretty inspired, to be honest. I was like, okay, I got a foot in the door. I know what the inside of it looks like. I think I can figure out. Uh, once you get over the first job in the industry that you want to get into, the, it's just easier from there. Um, and you have to tell yourself that. And how did you know at that point that this was something that you you wanted to do like why was it that you felt inspired by it versus say like the other roles that you had that you knew weren't for you long term i just um, i think the sheer amount of possibilities and opportunities in that space was very inspiring um i saw a lot of people who are way smarter than me do great work which was great for my personal development because i wanted to be around them I saw that you can really impact something with your work. If you if you work hard enough and, and with, with passion, you can actually produce amazing results. You can build great products. You can create amazing experiences. You can you can improve business metrics. You can, you know, impact people in their daily life. And it's I was I was like, wow, that, that's magic, right? <laughs> it sounds like magic. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of a lot of that. But obviously you have to get the skills to do that kind of magic. Yeah, 
for sure. And so, like, I want to pick back up on kind of the story of where you are um, after, you know, the company that you joined, like three months later, they lay everybody off. But before I go into that, like, there's two kind of questions that I have for you that are specifically relevant to people who are either getting into design or who are junior designers, because I've known a lot of people over the last couple of years who either wanted to move into this space or have. And I think the two questions that they have is like, one is, how do I learn? So should they go and do a course or should they be self-taught kind of like you were? Um, that's kind of the first big question that they have. And then the second one is like, how the hell do I get my first job? Because it seems so hard for a junior designer to get a first job. I- I'm sure that you talk to people um, who are in similar stages and I would imagine they have the same two questions. Maybe I'm wrong. What's the advice that you give to people um, for both of those? So the first one, like, okay, I think I'm interested in design. Should I study? How do I learn? And then the second one is like, okay, I've, I, I have basic skills. I'm a junior designer, but I need a job. How do I get a job? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very good question. Um, I'm actually currently mentoring folks through a platform agplist.org, uh, and I help my cousin to break into design from from medical field. So I know firsthand what it, <laughs> what, it, what, it's, what it's like kind of helping people get there. Um, what I think you have to give up this idea that, you know, that it will be quick and easy way into it. It's, it's, it's not, right? It's going to be hard. So you should just prep for it that, okay, it's going to be hard, but what can I do to make it enjoyable? What can I do to make it maybe sociable? Um, What can I do so that I I can stick with it in the long run? Um, That that would be my focus on it, right? So just keep the the momentum going for as long as you can possibly have. And with that traction, with enough design work, with enough people you've spoken to, with enough cold emails you've sent out to, there will be an opportunity and you'll just use it. So I think that's what I, what I say you should do because I see a lot of people who would send three job requests, five job requests and be like, well, my portfolio is great. So (laughs) just waiting for a reply or thinking, sending, you know, five, but, you know, always thinking about their portfolio work. Is it, is it not good enough? Like you've sent five, you should do a hundred men. <laughs> like that's like that's what you should be focusing on is the is the basic conversion funnel, right? <laughs> that's that's what I kind of later teach people that it's it, currently it's about numbers, numbers of hours you put in, numbers of projects you've done, just numbers. It it, it won't get to quality until way way down the line. So just abandon this 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 kind of uh, image of easy break into that. Um, Think of it as like a quick like challenge, you know, like uh, embrace the <laughs> the quest, uh, you know, of it that uh, you're a hero in your story and there are challenges and you're overcoming them. And, you know, you're kind of this is a first level, you know, you get to second level and think of it, you know, so that it energizes you. Um, so that would be my first one. Right. So uh, and I think people are kind of sometimes they they commit to an idea that I want to work with this company and no other company and that's that's it that's like my goal and if it doesn't work out they kind of feel defeated um and i i don't think they should uh i don't i I think it's okay to say hey 
not now. Let me focus on my craft. Let me focus on whatever it is that I need to learn and come back to it. And that was my journey uh, with the company Intercom uh, because I moved to, <laughs> we kind of paused the story, but um, I, I then joined my husband. I, I got married and joined my husband in Dublin and kind of started my design career again from scratch, uh, sort of. Um, and that's when I just blasted all the cold emails like I like I knew I need to do <laughs> I went to a bunch of interviews um all that uh got sorted and I got my my first job um here that later you know turned into another opportunity with bigger pay and then it turned into like another opportunity and people in you know Dublin is interesting space because it's the tech scene is kind of small so people know each other and it's I would say world of tech is actually smaller than you think it is in general. So don't be afraid to reach out to people. Don't be afraid to say hi, uh, because you never know down the line, you will, you'll have this person interviewing you and they'll remember something from way back in the day, you know, that you said something cool or you asked a question or you were in that meetup. Um, and that, that's what happened to me. Sorry, I was. <laughs> I got rejected from uh, for a job at Intercom early on, um, and a few years later, a few years later, I I got the job, and the interview was such a breeze because I knew the panel <laughs> from way back in a day, or you know, from some some kind of activity or something. So it was. This is empowering because it's it's a connections that you build, it's the skills that you build, it's it's all coming together with time. Hundred percent. I think that's such a great lesson, um, and it's tough because like nobody wants to wait, right? Like I'm the same. Like I'm impatient. Like I'd much rather get it now if I could. But if you're willing to invest in things with like that view of like, hey, this conversation, I mightn't get anything out of it today, or this year, or next year, or for fucking five years. But in six years' time, you know, when that person is hiring or when I'm hiring and I've built this relationship with them, like, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be so much easier if I already know this person, if they already know me? Because like, I think the reality is that that is how a lot of jobs get filled, right? If that's all that you're looking for, how a lot of jobs get filled is like, well, hey, I know that person, right? So like, I'm going to refer them, I'll get them past like the CV stage, which is the hardest part of any job application. And then, gee, if you know the people on the panel, then that's obviously even better, right? Of course, you still need to perform. You still need to do a good job. But like, I, you know yourself, I know myself, like from interviewing people, if you know somebody for a very, very long time, that decision on whether to hire them is like so much more de-risked versus like the person that you've, you know, maybe never heard of. And they could be a great candidate, but if the other person has shown to you over years that they can do great work and that they're a good person and they're trustworthy and they're hardworking and everything else, like that's just worth so much more. So I think that idea of like investing in the long term is like super powerful. I think it's also people underestimate the 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 power of human connection in in whatever they're doing. So and I've learned this in a hard way as well. <laughs> so I think that people are like okay, hard skills, you know, resume, kind of portfolio, the applying for jobs, all of this is great. But I think like being human and all that journey and then, you know, through finding a job, looking for a job, helping other people, you know, trying to build connections that go beyond just small talk. 
um, I think is, is very, very powerful because those are the things that will get you will get away from from your job too. You will have those connections and you'll feel like like you belong and either there's people who connect with you in some sort of way and and hopefully you'll you'll keep them throughout your life um, because you spend most of your time at work. So you have to think about those connections. Otherwise, what else is out there, uh, right? So it, It's so true. You talked earlier at the very, very start, you talked about, you know, the journey to finding a place where you feel like you belong, right? And it's not always like straightforward. And there's a lot of failures along the way. Are you in a place now where you feel like you belong? I can say yes, 100%. Um, and it's, and it's not even just a job. It's about all aspects of my life kind of coming together, um, which is great. Um, and I think <clears throat> you might have felt one area of your life throughout your childhood or something that, ooh, this feels like, like it. Hold on to it. Hold on to it and keep it <laughs> because later on they will all form kind of this, this, this sense of personality and the sense of belonging. This is who you are. Um, because I think it's easy to lose yourself in that journey of trying to adapt and change and shape yourself into whatever thing you need to be, uh, to become a designer, you know, or somebody else. So j just keep that too with yourself. So I think right now I'm in a very good place that I have this, I have so much joy that I give it to, uh, to people, to other mentees as well. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like you can you can get there, uh, and and then it's just be, every day becomes an interesting day, and it's it's a journey. Yeah. That's so great to hear. That's like really nice to hear that you're, um, you're like you're in a place where you feel that. Like that's so it's very powerful. I think, and also the fact that you said that you got so much joy that you're now looking to give it to others, right? Like I think that's a very um very admirable thing as well um i want to talk about um your time at wayflower so that's how like we like got to know each other so for people who don't know wayflower was uh still is it's um like a fintech company so it was a startup myself and uh serafima joined pretty early days roughly around the same time there's maybe probably less than 15 people i would say in the company at the time and the company grew from like 15 to 500 over a number of years. And so if anybody's ever worked in a startup, especially one that's gone through that sort of growth, you know, it's like super intense. Everybody works really hard. Um, it's a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of pressure. Um, and also what can happen is that you can wrap a lot of your identity up with your work. Because if you're spending a lot of time with work, especially if it's going well, if you're doing well, if you're getting promoted, you know, if your work is going good, you can start to feel like this is your thing. Also, this happened in the middle of COVID. So there wasn't much else going on. So it was very easy to wrap your whole identity up um, with work. Is that something that you found, that you found that a lot of your kind of uh, identity, your self-worth or whatever else was coming from your work at that point? Yes, to an unhealthy extent, um, extent for sure. I remember being super happy and excited to work. I remember thinking about work um, before and after. Uh, I remember recruiting my friends 
to join me in a startup. And by then, it it, it just felt like a cult. <laughs> so, um, and I ended up recruiting my uh, my husband to join the software developer. Uh, so yeah, that's that's definitely a cult. Uh, <laughs> Did you get a referral fee? Uh, for him, no. But then I recruited my friend, and I and I did get a referral fee, uh, bonus, whatever the the thing is. Yeah. So the, <laughs> the 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 part where I think you're you're seeing the impact of your work, and it gets you going, and it's hard to detach because it, everything is going so well, and and I felt like oh, if if only we put more effort, do, can you imagine the impact we can get? And that's all I could care about. That's all I could think of. But, but what if we pour more into it? Um, it's just gonna, we are rocket ship. We, we're gonna we're gonna go to the moon or whatever, <laughs> beyond. <laughs> so I think looking back at it now, it, I had to go through this journey to learn a lesson, to not wrap my identity around my work. And I'm glad I learned it the way I did um, going through you know, hyper growth, doing well, multiple promotions, um, you know, building a team around me um, across many different disciplines of design and and then being impacted by a mass layoff at a company with a feeling like surely, surely I wouldn't get laid off with all the, <laughs> the effort, with all the hard work, um, with no signs of poor performance, you know, surely there is, uh, I would not be getting impacted, but I did. So, and then I figured out, okay, work is not what defines you. Work is there to enable you to live a good life. You can choose how much you put into it, but you have to understand the risks associated with it. And I think I did not understand the risks of, of, of losing a job back then. And I think now it's, you know, sp- spoken to so many people in the tech industry who got laid off. I can say that it's a norm, actually. Throughout your career in tech, you will get laid off at least two times, <laughs> I hear, like in your 10-year tenure. So like being okay with this possibility and then pouring yourself into work, that's okay, right? Not understanding that probably is, uh, yeah, is, is going to, going to bite you in the end so yeah it's 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 a very it's a very good point because i think there's like you know there's nothing inherently wrong with pouring a lot of yourself into work and spending a lot of time doing it and you know deriving a lot of value from that you know i don't i'm not one who subscribes to like oh work is just there to pay the bills like you should just like do what you can but like you know live your life outside of work like i don't think that i don't live my life by that either because it's like no like you're going to spend a lot of time at work anyway. Like you may as well enjoy it and do something that you find meaningful. Um, but what was like, what was that process like of kind of realizing that? Was it just like, oh my God, I've been impacted by these, you know, big layoffs and I don't have work. Oh, well, I guess I have to find my sense of value from somewhere else now. Or, you know, did you go through like a bit of a process to figure that out? Oh, we're going into the the spicy mental health uh, topic now because I, I I was in shock for a month, like literally like in shock, like um, this, you know, this kind of fear that locks you in this um, flight or fight kind of mode. And I was 
and I was like, I was, I was frozen <laughs> for a month. I couldn't move. And I was so surprised to see how many people got into back into job search straight away. Um, and I was like, well, I cannot do that. I, I do not have energy or I, I just, I cannot do that. I cannot, I couldn't wrap my head around it. How can you do it so quickly? <laughs> so, and I think it's, it's, it's those people who did not have identity wrapped around their work, um, who had an easier transition. Um, and, and those of us who did, um, I think struggled and myself personally, I've, I've gone through this very kind of dark period of like soul searching again, um, only to the reason why is because it was kind of a last nail in the coffin going from, you know, pandemic working hard, high pressure environment. My personal relationships were not going well. My, you know, the war started between, you know, Russia and Ukraine. So that was impacting me. My parents got divorced. My dad got a heart attack. So all of that was like, boom, 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 boom. And then layoff <laughs> and then layoff. And I was like, I just need to lay down. <laughs> I just lay. I'm like now I'm in the downward spiral, and it, this is my uh, asana. So yeah, this is um, this was difficult. And I remember I booked uh, a trip to London a month ahead, or like prior to this event, right? Uh, and I was meant to sit with a dog and a cat, like a pet sitting, you know, when you're staying in someone's house and look after their pets. <laughs> um, so it's already booked out. I have to go and I feel very, very bad. Like, I feel like I just want to lay there and do nothing. Um, I decided, I decided to go anyway and see how it will work out. And it was such a, a nice experience because you have to have something to do. You have to have a little commitment, like walking a dog, showering, making something to eat because that is the traction. That is the momentum. It has to keep you, you know, not spiraling down. Um, I found myself in, I, I cannot, I cannot diagnose because I'm not a, a, a medical person, right? I cannot diagnose myself with depression, but I definitely had depressive episodes of like, I don't know what's, what's going on. How can I continue to live my life and enjoy it? Um, did not seem possible at the time. I, it, it, bear in mind, it was not a long time ago. <laughs> so it was literally beginning of this year that this is how recent it is and how amazing the transformation can be in such a short period of time. So um, I then I've, I've read a bunch of different books and I read and I watched amazing uh, you know documentary studs uh, on Netflix. For those of you who don't know, I definitely recommend it. It's by... Um, Jonah Hill um, talk, talking with his uh, psychologist and psycho uh, analyst, and it was basically: if you feel bad, just take a look at you know, take care of your body. Um, you know, have a good enough sleep, eat, have some movement. Most of your symptoms of really, really depressive episode will go away if you do this enough times, right? If you if you just take care of that, clean food, sleep exercise. I was like, okay, that's all I have to do. That's, that's, I can do that. This is a very minimal <laughs> threshold of effort. I can, I can sustain it. And, it, you know, in a month I was feeling so much better. I was ready to get medicated to feel better because I couldn't bear it. Um, 
so yeah, a month later, I feel better. I feel like, okay, I can now not, not look for a job. No, <laughs> but I was like, okay, I can now have a think, you know, with a clear head with not feeling like everything is so bad. Uh, what can I do with my life? What do I enjoy doing? How can I bring a little moments of inspiration back? This is how I discovered running. And this is how uh, I went for short 10 minute, 20 minute, very easy runs and how it led me to uh, running my first 10K in two months' time, uh, which was massive. And that later led me to run my first half marathon. Um, small steps, like such, such small steps. Like think about them and, and those are so, so significant. Like if you compare me running half marathon right now and me back in the beginning of the year going for 10-minute run, that 10-minute run was harder. I kid you not, it was hard. It was so much harder. And and just, you know, imagine that it will get easier. <laughs> it will it will be enjoyable. You will run alongside your friend in a half marathon and have a conversation with them. You know, how, like, it's it seems impossible and it's only six months time, right? Like, just... It's only within you and you just have to kind of uncover that bit by bit. That's really great. I think like, I imagine if I told you in January of this year that you were going to run a half marathon in like five months time, you probably would have told me I was, I was pretty crazy. <laughs> and I would be, you know, that I'll be working at Intercom that I would be, there is just, it's, it's hard to believe, but I think it's the fact that I focused on myself rather than external things that would, I guess, I guess, kept, kept me going and that I, I can recommend to anyone to just do that. So I gotta say like, that's a, it's pretty inspiring story, right? Um, I think like the hard thing for people is to take that very first step because that's a step that you really don't want to take. And like, you've no energy for it. Like you've no motivation for it, whatever else, like, is there, like, is there anything that can make that step easier for people? If people are in kind of that place where like, you know, they, they maybe they, they probably know they should do it. They know they should look after their bodies or do some exercise or do something like that. But like, they just, it's just really tough. Like, you know, and people say to them, it's like, oh, you should just do this. It's like, oh yeah, I fucking know I should, but like, <laughs> I really don't want it. Like I don't have that energy or I don't have that motivation. I have to I have to state this because it's not obvious to some people and it wasn't obvious to myself. After you get enough sleep, good food, <laughs> and and you're not feeling like laying down, you feel like little glimpses of curiosity. And you can feel that like you're reaching towards your phone, you're like you're looking for that dopamine hit or something, right? You're you're craving something. So in that moment, just pause yourself and be like, what is the smallest thing? tiniest little thing I can do that could get me in a better state. Um, and if you know it's exercise, don't go running as fast as you can for half an hour. No, that's not the point. <laughs> like put your, you know, prepare your sports gear, right? Don't, don't go yet. Prepare sports gear. Next day, you feel the traction. Okay, put on that, you know, uh, put on the sports, the sports gear and just go outside and think, okay, what route I want to take. Okay, I figure out the route. You know, you can go. You, it, that's that's the job. You've done the job. You, you should feel good. That's a very small step and you took it. 
good. You don't have to do it anymore. If you feel like doing it, though, you can do it. Don't don't take it too far because that's what's going to happen. If you go too hard, straight up, you will you'll feel burnt out. You'll feel like you've lost energy. You feel like, you know, that's I give it all and I feel pain. <laughs> that's not what it's supposed to do. You're supposed to take small steps and make them enjoyable. Um, so in my, in my scenario, I planned the routes that I wanted to take for a 10 minute run. I, you know, put my favorite playlist on. Um, I, I cannot stop talking about Nike running club app because it really, you know, brought me to this state of like, you're a rock star, you're a superstar of actually just coming today for a run, like just doing it. That's what makes you great. But you already done that job. <laughs> so like you showed up, that's the, the purpose of this, right? You showed up for yourself. Um, I think people are kind of like taking all this effort for granted they shouldn't. Um, and I think from coming from a person who's like, I felt the lowest of the low, I can tell you that even showing up for yourself for a run, for a short run is a huge achievement. And um, do you know the funny thing? Like when you're running a half marathon, like you just started running and people already tell you, well done. I, I At first I thought they're joking. Like they're sarcastically telling me, well done. I just started. But I now understand is because you've been training for that half marathon and you did show up. So well done. I think finding that balance between being able to push yourself just that little bit, because you have to push yourself just a tiny bit. Otherwise, like, you know, you're not going to do anything. So just pushing yourself that little bit to just like prepare your sports gear. Like you need that, but then you also need to balance that out with like being kind to yourself because it can be very easy to be very harsh on yourself in those situations and to say, oh, you should go for a run. And then you don't. And then you beat yourself up for the fact that you didn't go for a run. And now you're actually in a worse place than if you hadn't even done anything in the first place. So I think it's, yeah, I think finding that that balance is uh, is really, really important. And then, as you said, like building those stepping stones over time, that that's the biggest thing because it gets easier, right? Like, like if you're doing one thing, it's actually making it easier to do the next thing. It's not making it harder. If you're getting better sleep, it's easier to eat well. If you're eating well, it's easier to exercise. If you're exercising, you're going to sleep better. Yes, it's traction. It's all coming together. And I just think it's worth mentioning that it's the same for bad habits too. So it's easy to fall back off that and be like, Oh, I didn't have enough sleep. So I feel very hungry and I eat bad food and I like, it's it's the same cycle, but for, for the bad stuff. So I think even the fact that you're maintaining what you already have means you're putting an effort, right? Even just continuously doing what you're meant to be doing is, is such, such um, an achievement. So I think I, I don't I don't I don't know if it's uh, <laughs> too much like inspirational empowerment, but I feel like people are just like, yeah, I'm just going to work. I'm just, you know, doing the thing. It's not not a big deal. Um, it, it is a big deal. It's a lot of effort. Uh, you have to give yourself a pat on the back. Uh, you're doing a good job. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, you know, so if we were to talk maybe 12 months ago, you said that I, I imagine I could be wrong, but that you get a lot of your sense of like, you know, value and purpose from the work that you do. Right. If I ask you that question now, what would your 
answer be? Answer would be that I'm happy to do what I do. Uh, if I don't, if I ended up doing the same thing for a different company, I'll be happy to. Um, it's the, I guess, people around me matter. Um, something that I probably would not have said to you a year ago. I was taking all of this for granted. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would tell you that just doing things that you find inspiration that challenge you it is what matters, not the job title, not the company on your resume. And it's the people you work with, people you build stuff with that matter. Something that I did not realize a year ago. So <laughs> that's, that would be my answer, I guess. Yeah. And, you know, I, outside of work, I'm always interested to hear of what, what people do either to get um, either just for fun, like for joy or for a sense of community or connectiveness or connectedness or, or for a sense of like purpose and meaning, right? Um, you've obviously taken up running in the last six months. And you seem to be obsessed with that, which is amazing. Is there anything else that you do outside of work? Like when you're at the weekend, like what is it that you really look forward to doing? That you're like, oh, I can't wait to go and do that. Cause it just, it always makes me so happy. So what I ended up doing um, is, is creating a bucket list of experiences. Um, I created a bucket list. I was like, okay, wouldn't it be cool if I, if I played tennis every week during the summer? Because I can. And uh, it's also free. There are free courts out there. Just, you can just get a racket. You can invite your friend and, and play tennis. That's what I did over the weekend. Um, I said, okay, so... One of the things I've never tried, but I've always wanted to, but I, I felt like I never had enough time or it had to be planned. Can I just add it to my bucket list first, just to put it in my bucket list. So I, I had this idea of like, I want to, I want to sit down with a bunch of friends, have a picnic in the park and like draw like plein air, you know, draw like sculpture or something. It felt so fancy for some reason, but it's so easy. And I did. I reached out to, to my friends and said, hey, would you like to do this? And they said, yes, hell yeah, let's do this. And they brought all the stuff needed for like painting and so on. Uh, we had like kombucha. We were playing music. And I was like, it was so easy. Why did I overthink this? Why did they think it was so hard? It's you just like you have this idea. Just put it there. Like, put it there <laughs> straight up. And and uh and, and like reaching out to friends and be like, so do you have any plans? What, what do you want to do? Like, what are the things that you always wanted to do? And I think it was so freeing, this kind of notion that it doesn't have to be hard to have a good time. Like you, you can just <laughs> chill out and like, it, it can also be free and it doesn't have to cost the earth and so on. But if you, if you really want it to cost the earth, like you can go on an extravagant travels as well. Uh, that's, you know, that's, I've, I've done uh, sailing uh, with my mom, which is interesting. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's kind of like your bucket list is something that you wish you had done right by the time that you're old or something you know yeah yeah 100 percent. that's great though because it's like i love the idea that it doesn't have to be massive things of course it can be right um 
I've got a bucket list, but the unfortunate reality is that like I'm taking one max two of those off a year because otherwise I'd be broke, right? <laughs> or I just don't have the time. Like they're they're big things, and I I do want to do them, and like I will do them. But like I love this idea of like having having small things, right? Like just new things that you can go and do. Cause like you can do them this weekend. And that idea of like, it doesn't have to be hard, right? Like this does not need to be a big deal. Like I can go and do this. It's a bit different. I also love the idea of like, just asking other people, right? Because I think one, you're also outsourcing your planning, which is kind of nice, but like also there's a lot of, you can get a lot of joy from like doing something that another person really, really wants to do. Like you kind of like absorb the joy off of them and i think that's like a really nice gift to give to your friends it's like hey is there anything you've always wanted to do but you've never done like let's go do it this weekend that's a really cool idea i like that and you'll be such like people will be thankful that you've asked them that question because many many times they've never asked themselves that they kind of felt like they had to have permission for some reason or something like special occasion a birthday like no like you can just do it like i give you permission let's go (laughs) So that's, uh, that was, that was, yeah, I, I went bouldering. Like, I didn't know I could boulder. Like, what the hell? Because uh, my colleague is like, yeah, I'm into bouldering. And like, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you say so? Right? Like, it's, it's, it's so easy um, to, to, to form these things. But I guess you have to be open for them too. Because it, it's like, like taking that, those thoughts of like, oh, but what if i I don't have the skills of what if it's to like whatever, whatever two thing that you have in your mind, <laughs> just understand that this is, this, the thing is blocking you from having a good time, from enjoying your life, from getting the best um, out of your day. Yeah. yeah 100%. I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to do it for this weekend. So what is the thing that, yeah. What is the thing <laughs> for me? Oh, I don't know. I need to think about it. You're right. Like I've never even asked myself that question. Like if I was to do one thing this weekend, what would it be? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I don't have a specific one, but it, um, I think it would be something like, like there's some art galleries in Sydney. Like I've lived here for like four and a half years ago. There's some art galleries here that like I've never gone to. And like, I really want to go to, <laughs> and I actually tried to go to them like last week and they were like closed during the week and stuff. And I was like, if somebody messaged like, Hey, what do you want to do this weekend? I think I'd probably say something like that. Um, yeah, something, something more like, you know, something that would have kind of like a, an inspirational or like creative bent to it, I think is what, what I'd want to do. But it's a great question. Yeah. Like you'd have to think about it, right? Which is actually, which makes it a good question. It's like, if I had the answer off the top of my head, then like, I probably would have done it already. Right. So yeah. Okay. That's one of your favorite question. I'm going to have to go and ask a lot of people that um, I've got one more question before we finish up, um, which is if you were to go back to, you know, 17 year old Serafima, who's deciding that watching that YouTube video, uh, deciding that she wants to go and, and move to America with no idea what like the next few years might look like in front of her. Um, what what would you say to her? Oof, it makes me emotional even thinking about it now that you said it. Wow. Um, I would say you're much more capable than you think you are. You're, you have to give it a go. Don't be afraid to fail. That seems like pretty good advice. <laughs> um, 
Seraphima, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I really, really enjoyed this chat. Like, um, I feel bad. I worked for you with, with you for for so many years. I didn't know ninety percent of your own story, um, which, uh, yeah, I feel really bad about. And I'm like, okay, now I gotta. If ever I'm working with people, I need to need to sit them down and and have a proper conversation with them and hear where they've come from and what they've done and all the different paths that they've gone on because there's so much more to a person than like what you're seeing you know when you're working together or on zoom for a few hours every day um so yeah thank you so much i found it super inspirational i learned a lot um i really appreciate it thank you so much for having me it's been really a pleasure I really hope you enjoyed that conversation that I just had with Seraphima. I just loved how open she was about her whole journey and shared all of the failures and misstarts and times where she was banging her head against a wall, sending like a hundred cold emails trying to break into her first job in design. And it just shows that when we're trying to make a change and we're trying to get into, you know, a new job or a new industry, like it's just not easy. It's really, and it's really not. And I think we can take a lot of solace and like encouragement from that. So I hope you enjoyed that chat that I have. If you haven't listened to episode 17 yet with Joe Williams, go back, give it a whirl. Joe has lived a super interesting life. He's been a professional rugby player, a champion boxer, an author, and now he's the founder of a mental health education and suicide prevention business. He's also a really beautiful storyteller and has some Really, really great lessons for people who are looking to find purpose or meaning in their lives. As always, go follow me on socials, LinkedIn, my personal profile, Steve Duke on Instagram. You can get me at the two roads pod. If you're following me on there, I share like more content outside of just the podcast tips that I've learned along the way, lessons that I've heard from people that I've interviewed in terms of how to find a job and a life that you really love. And it's also just an easy way to make sure that you never miss an episode that I release. Other than that, I'll see you next week for episode 20 of the Two Roads Pod.